Hi, and you're very welcome back to episode nine of the League of Ireland podcast here on FinalWhistle.ie. And I'm joined by Alan Keane, who is a former League of Ireland player, but this week he's gained a bit more of notoriety for not showing up for work because he had his other commitments taken precedence this week. And of course, uh, what I'm talking about, you probably read it in some of the papers this week, uh, but on Saturday night, he was due to be commentating with the local radio station down here in the Northwest, Ocean FM, and bailed on poor Jessica Farry, who was left to hold the fort all on her own. Uh, but because of his other duties, his day job as a firefighter down in Sligo, and he got called away to uh, a bit of a fire situation down there, um, which obviously... It's been a busy weekend for Alan. It was one of many call-outs over the weekend, but this one got you a bit more attention maybe than you've had for the other day jobs in the past. Yeah, most definitely. I feel awful sorry for poor Jessica because like, we were just chatting beforehand and um, you know going through the team sheets and I was chatting to Liam Coyle who was, was doing the radio for Derry and I'm looking forward to the game and, and stuff like that. And then Jessica just went off uh, to, I don't know, she went down for something and I heard the sirens going and uh, someone turned around and says, oh, I hear sirens. Uh, you could be gone. I say, oh, no, you know, I'd take a chance anyway. And literally 10 minutes before um, kickoff, <laughs> I just seen Jessica walking back and I was sprinting. I said, I'll ring you if I can make it back. And I was just gone out the gate and I was gone. And uh, I ended up being out all night. So um, I left poor Jessica on her, on her Todd. And uh, by all accounts, she done well. Um, it's never easy. You know, she... I, I rang her afterwards and uh, apologised and uh, uh, she said I stood her up <laughs> but the was... professional though she's always uh, she's always on an RA game so uh, great to see uh, yeah that, that opportunity to do it on her own and not have you dragging her down but yeah, unfortunately I, you're going to drag got, us down this week yeah I got a few messages though as well thank God you you got called out <laughs> well so... I think we found the replacement uh, if Ocean River stuck again because Joey and Doe made his debut on watch LOI and well it was almost a spiritual experience listening to the commentary coming from him uh, with Adrian Eames on watch LOI over the weekend uh, divided opinion some very very impressed with uh, his uh, well interesting uh, take on commentary others not so uh, impressed with it did you get a chance to listen back to any of his uh, almost orgasmic commentary at times I was going to say he took the words out of my mouth I knew when I when it was announced that Joey was going to be doing watch LOI I said he's going to be either trending on Twitter or something afterwards because he just loves the game, the man. And uh, he doesn't care about the tackles or anything like that. If he sees a good touch, a good flick, um, the love of the game, the way it should be played, he'll, he'll do it. And I had to laugh when I heard some of them, oh, oh. And I just, I'd say Adrian Eames was in stitches laughing uh, beside him. Or it's either that or he didn't know what to do. Yeah, you could almost feel like the slight uncomfortableness of Adrian kind of coming through at times. But it yeah. was, do you know what? I loved it. I thought it was absolute box office. And if he was, if any game he's ever doing commentary for again, I'm so watching it. I just thought, I really enjoyed him. Um, just the whole experience was it was pretty good on Saturday night, even if the football wasn't fantastic at times. Yeah. We'll talk about that a little bit later on. Now we've an action-packed show today. We've got uh, your namesake, Alan Kay, Alan Kelly, in this instance, a former LOI referee, now, of course, MLS referee. He's going to be joining us to talk about his life in the States over the last eight years or so since he made that move to the professional game in the U.S. We'll talk about maybe uh, some of the experiences he's had both in the U.S., and in recent months, been able to watch and follow the league from afar because of services like Watch LOI and LOI TV. We'll be talking to him, uh, talking to him about all of that. And we'll also be joined by the Dundalk captain, 
Chris Shields. Plenty of talk about what's been going on in Dundalk over the last couple of weeks. We've had a bit of it on here. Um, some might say even John Gill's interview may have put a bit of pressure and resulted in a couple of tunes. We might take a bit of credit for that, Kino, but I think it was probably headed that way anyway, if the truth be told. We're going to hear from Chris Shields about maybe the players' aspect of what's going on over the last couple of weeks and months in Oriel Park. Uh, more on that to come later in the programme. But first, let's take a look at the double round of games over the last seven days, and it's been absolutely hectic. Let's fly through Tuesday night's games, uh, the first round of midweek games in the league so far. Full slate of fixtures, five games in the Premier Division, uh, starting in Head in the Game Park, Drogheda United and Shamrock Rovers. They left it late, but Danny Mandrew, some header from him, six, seven minutes into injury time? Yeah, and I, 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 I back this as a draw because, you know, I, I, I fancy Drogheda, to, as I said, all throughout this, that Tim has been playing really well. Um, but that's what champions do. They find ways to win. And um, to be fair, Shamrock Rovers haven't even got out of second gear yet at all this year, I don't think. And they've been getting so many late goals. And you look back at the great Man United teams, they called it Fergie time. You know, Shamrock Rovers have been leaving it late now for the the last couple of games. And, um, you know, they, look at, by all accounts, they they probably deserve to win, they said. But it was a great header back stick by uh, Mandrew and a great ball by Dylan Watts. Yeah, Pats and Waterford did a battle at Richmond Park. And it was the opposite effect. It was an early, early goal. Second minute from Dara Burns, one of their promising youngsters, has come through from the underage ranks. And he buried it from long range. A pass Paul Martin in the Waterford goal. 1-0. They managed to hold on. Um, Pats have been fairly impressive, in my opinion. What's your thoughts on, on the game and, I suppose, and the start that Pats have made to the season, Alan? Yeah, look, at Pats uh, last year, by all accounts, they had, a, they had a, a poor season by their standards. They're always known as a, as, as a top, you know, the top half team. And um, Stephen has them playing very, very well. And we had him on the show and he spoke about, you know, the terms of how, how the managing side of it. And I think he's got the team that he really, really wants. And he has, he has assembled league winners along with a few other uh, good young players and look they've been playing fantastic football they're winning by just the odd goal but who cares they're 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 up there and they're up at the top of the up top of the table for a reason because they've started really well and, and um they're putting teams to the sword yeah people of a certain vintage might remember arsenal winning the league one nil every week uh for many many years you might be a bit too young for that alan actually yeah, it's probably back, in, uh, back in the 50s for you is it yeah, something like something around the fifties. Yeah, late eight, late eighties, nineties, uh, more so. Really, I know you're a bit younger than me, but we let you away with that. Uh, game probably the the misfire of the night, really, from both teams. Uh, a game that neither set of supporters will really remember for that long. Longford Finn Harps nil nil. Uh, that kind of sums it up, really. Very little happened in the game. It was a tough watch, and neither side particularly happy with just the point. I think um, uh, listening to Ollie Horgan's interview afterwards, he was very, very disappointed. He said that they really should have won the game. The, the amount of chances they had in the pending uh, Longford, but Longford, again, they've, 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 you know, they've, they've dug out a result. They're, it's going to be a hard place to go. Um, they're in Bishoptown Gate. Of, like I think Finn Harps for them, or even Longford to an extent. They're probably going to be down around there, uh, Longford. They probably needed to win these kind of games at home and uh, dropping points. But by all accounts, they hung on in the end and got a point. And uh, Finn Harps were, were disappointed. And Ollie's, uh, Ollie said afterwards that they could have won two or three none. 
Yeah, and then of course, Derry City and Dundalk, both in the news in the last little while for managerial changes and managerial departures. We might touch on that a little bit later in the show. But uh, in terms of the game, they were playing uh, on Tuesday night. Derry City won, Dundalk won. Uh, it looked like Dundalk were going to do it. I think Dave McMillan scored just after half time, and it looked like they might just get their first win of the season. Derry had been struggling, but to be fair, Cameron McJanet came back, scored his second of the season, uh, brought it back to a tight game. Dundalk probably edged it on the balance of play, but Derry held on for that. But it wasn't enough to keep their boss in a job. He got fired or he left the club uh, within, I think, 24, 40 hours of that result. Um, were you surprised? Because the game is kind of irrelevant, really, on Tuesday night. But but given what's happened in the club since, were you surprised by the by the the nature of the change and and how quickly it happened after a reasonably positive result? Yeah, I was surprised because you know it's still early days in the season. But I suppose they looked at it and it probably felt Declan Devine himself probably felt it was coming to an end. Um, he, you know, he's. I feel, I feel for him because it said he's one of the good guys and I suppose the chairman had to act quickly because you know this league you you know you can't afford another four or five games of, of the run that they're on you, you'll be left behind very quickly and um, I think they, they acted I, I possibly would have left him for another two or three games give him a chance you know what he, what he for what he has done but as, as I said uh, I spoke to speaking to Liam Coyle you know, only for the pandemic, who knows, would Liam Buckley be at Sligo after the start they've had, you know, as in before the pandemic hit, four games on the, on the bounce defeat and everyone was saying we're going to get relegated. So um, football is very fickle, but they, they, they acted quickly and they appointed Rory Higgins. So that'll be an interesting one. Yeah, we might talk about the new management team in Derry in just a couple of minutes because they played Sligo on Saturday night, that game that you missed. Uh, but obviously your former teammate, Raf Kataro, part of that management team as well. Uh, but talking to Sligo Rovers, they were the final game on Tuesday night and they made the trip to a fairly unhappy hunting gap ground for them in recent seasons, Dalymount Park. But they really blitzed it on Tuesday night. Uh, maybe not their finest footballing performance, but four fantastic goals overall. 3-1 the final score. Some individual moments of brilliance. Maybe a few a little specks of fortune in there as well. But I think Liam Buckley and his charges will be very happy heading back up the end floor. Yeah. Uh, look, at it had some quality goals. I, had, I think all goals were, were excellent. Um, I don't think uh, anyone that watching the game would say that there was a, that any of the goals were, were poor by any count. But... Uh, Rovers were excellent. I thought they played really. They played at a at a serious tempo. Um, they didn't let balls from from the from the start. They didn't let balls settle on the ball at all. And we all know how good balls can be at home in Daly Mount. But um, what a goal by um, a great team team move really for Gibson. Um, a ball up to Romeo. Romeo to Johnny Kenny. Played back in Romeo and. I hope Romeo meant that across back. back <laughs> he didn't look. I played it a look, few times. But, but didn't look, and it was either brilliant or very fortunate. No, but, no. I'd say what I would say is when he was going, he passed. He knew that he was going on the out. Uh, he knows we get some. So he he's just basically put it into the area, you know. Um, so he put that ball in there, and Gibson, who's on flames at the minute, you know, with a great finish, and then Bowes come back and Bowes another wonder goal, a great goal, I thought. And uh, then young Mark Byrne, um, what a what a finish, you know from Very the young cool, calm, collected, wasn't he? If that 
if that was me there, even after 10 years, <laughs> I would volley that over the ball. But he just a nice little, uh, you know, dinked it into the, in over the keeper. And I thought they were full value for the win. And Dave Cawley got a screamer then at the end. And uh, great to see him back on the, on the pitch and on the score sheet. And fully, fully deserved uh, win, I thought. Yeah, no, a kick Cawley for me, I just thought the nature of how he just took the ball in and just turned and nobody expected him to do what he did. He just he just let fly and he almost caught James Talbot just a little bit off guard, I think. Um, but the finish was just sublime and um, it was great advertisement. I heard Tommy Higgins, the chairman of the club, on one of the podcasts, I think it was with LOI Central with Johnny and Dan last week talking about um, how, how it was an advertisement for the game and I think he was absolutely spot on. It had everything that had crunching tackles it had phenomenal uh, team goals it had phenomenal individual goals it was just like Liam Burt's effort was probably the goal of the game and that's really saying something how good the considering how good the, the rest of them were really really enjoyed that game if we could have that every week in a couple of fixtures yeah. I think this league would be uh, a hugely uh, appealing league for, for followers to kind of get behind uh, quickly moving on because there's so many games over the last week and um, we had a full round of fixtures on Friday and Saturday evening as well let's maybe start on Friday evening with the early kickoff up in Bally Buffet St. Patrick's Athletic the visitors and it was uh, just continue their steamroller to the top of the table. Pats have been, uh, I, I'm repeating myself, but they've just been so impressive. Uh, really, really good performance from them. Goals, of course, from Billy King and Maddie Smith laid on on the hour mark. Yeah, it was a complete professional performance by Pats. I thought they were very, very good. Really, really good. They um, they really bossed the game from start to finish. And Finn Harps can have no qualms at all about the, about the loss. And, I, you know, I thought the first goal, well taken goal, um, cut, cuts inside, nice little finish, and I uh, thought Ronan Coughlin done done really well for the second goal, for the for Maddie Smith, um, great, 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 another great team kind of goal, but uh, Pat's yeah, Stephen O'Donnell as I said there earlier, he's just has them, has them playing really really well. They don't look like conceding too, they won't concede too many goals, um, you know, you have Paddy Barrett back there, you have John Mountney. Uh, Chris Forrester looks like he's coming into form, um, and that they, they've they've gone up to Bally Buffet. They played without Robbie Benson as well, so he's to come back into the fold. But I thought they were overall it was a fantastic performance by them and uh, very very professional display. Yeah, I was very impressed as well by Alfie Lewis. He came on. Um, he's played a couple of games so far, but we haven't seen that much of him yet. But uh, he came on about twenty minutes to go. They were already two 0 up to be fair. But I just thought he had that little bit of an extra bit of class, maybe that that uh, we. We want to see in the league. I know he's only here on loan. I think maybe for the next for the first half of the season, but be interesting to see how he gets on um, over the next couple of weeks and months. Uh, more games obviously coming thick and fast. This later game on Friday evening, Shamrock Rovers Bows, the Dublin Derby, filled with controversy, but uh, another great battle from both teams. Shamrock Rovers edging it in the end, with, or without the help of the referee. Yeah, uh, look. I, 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 you could ask Alan Kelly that, but look, he's not going to comment on that. It's not, it's not fair. But no, I think um, I thought it was a great game. Both teams just was end to end, uh, wasn't it? It was just uh, Shamrock Rovers started like a house on fire. And I thought, I thought they were going to blow them away after I five thought, ten minutes. I thought this could be yeah. five or six nil, and and Bowes yeah. just came right back at them. I I thought it was going. This is going to be a long night for Bowes, three or four, and then actually Bowes came into it, and it was a great goal. Bowes scored, great team goal. Um, uh, fantastic goal and then uh, obviously I got called out in about the 78th minute or so for a call out and uh, I only could watch back what I could see online and obviously the talking point was the penalty decision and the red card and 
for me, it's 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 never a penalty. It's never a red card. But um, you kind of have to see it from the referee's point of view as well um, in real time. But he needs he needs help from the system. It's 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 a very very soft. Is it a red card? No, it's not. You know. Um, but I but thought they got rid of that. Now maybe I'm just not up on the rules. Um, but I thought when you gave away a penalty, that the double jeopardy rule meant you couldn't also get a red card. I didn't think it was harsh enough to be deemed uh, uh, no. exempt to that, if that makes sense. No, it definitely. And you look the week the week previous with Longford Town uh, uh, in Tala, um, Pico Lopez gets a yellow card and a penalties award to Longford. You know, so and that was a more goal scoring opportunity than you know. Um, look, we aren't referees. We don't know the decision. Don't know the making. So that's why they're. They're the man in the middle. Absolutely. And finally, 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 we've been talking about it for long enough. We might talk to Chris Shields about it in just a couple of moments. But Dundalk got their season up and running. They're off that. They were never quite bottom of the table, but they were pretty close. They've given themselves a bit of a lift. They're now seventh in the table. Uh, It's still too early to really be too focused on the table. But the Loud Derby... Uh, there was a whole uh, special, um, I suppose, charitable aspect to it in terms of the Save Our Sonia uh, appeal that we've spoken about on the women's version of this show, the Women's National League version of the show. We might mention it to Chris later on. But uh, Dundalk 2, Drogheda 1, uh, as well as the local Bragan rights, I think uh, given the changes there in the dugout over the last couple of weeks, um, I think they'll be happy to be up and running. And they never really looked like losing it from the minute Dave McMillan scored 23 minutes into the game. Their South Korean player, I'm not going to chance in his name. Maybe I will. Han Young Woo. Uh, Apologise if I butcher that. Yeah, you can say it because I ain't going to say it. <laughs> they, they, they never really looked like losing that game. They were, they were in control of that. And it's more of the Dundalk that we've been used to in the recent seasons, maybe. Yeah, look, that was a big, big game for them because, as you said there, the bragging rights. That would have given them so much confidence if they've got beaten there. You know, you're talking they've hit rock bottom. Um, so for them to, to 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 win on the on the loud derby, it, it, this could be the 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 kickstart that they need now to get back up that table. And you kind of you kind of you always know you're always thinking every week when is it going to happen? When is it going to happen? And I think that might just be the turning point for them once they appoint this uh, new manager. It'll be interesting to see who's going to come in. Um, and how that how that goes. So look at they have a good they have a nice few games coming up, um, winnable games so on, on 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 paper. But you know this this league Anton is possible. So um, I think that would have given them a serious amount of confidence, especially to uh, to to the players that've been there and 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 knows how much it means to them the the loud derby. As well as changes in the dugout, there's also been changes between the sticks for the for the loud men over the last couple of weeks. It's been cherry a baby, cherry a baby for the last in the other order for the last four games. Um, it just seems to be fairly undecided in terms of uh, who's their number one goalkeeper at the moment, and it's been a huge talking point. As a fullback yourself, how important is it for you to have confidence in the player behind you in, in goals for your team? Oh, it's massively important. Um, you can you can actually. You can actually sense that every time the ball goes into the box, if you're if you're a bit hesitant as a keeper, you, as defenders, you, you start panicking a little bit that you don't want it to go into the box, trying to stop crosses, trying everything. But you need someone talking to you. And I just thought that maybe the goal against Derry, it's avoidable, isn't it? Like, you know, he's come out to punch it. And look at Peter Cherry, he's a very experienced keeper. He's been there before and he's, you know, he's more than capable. What, what a number, you know, number two he's in it. Or he can be a number one, who knows? But I think he'll, he'll probably make that number one position himself, his own, uh, in the next couple of weeks. But uh, 
it's so so important even the organization of 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 players in front of you the talking of the players um but um look again new manager coming in he might have his own preferences some of them you know defenders might be there some of the midfielders who knows um who knows what formation he'll go with that's down that's that's down to them but uh um they need to settle on the team very very quick yeah, of course, two other games played over the weekend as well on Saturday evening in the Premier Division. Uh, Sligo Rovers nil, Derry City won the return of Raf Kataro to the showgrounds as number two to Rory Higgins in Derry. Uh, all in all, a great weekend for Rory Higgins and a, kind of back at his hometown club uh, in the dugout, in charge. First time really in that role within a, a football environment. But uh, I, I think he'll be very happy with how it went from, not so much from Liam Buckley's point of view though. No, not so much from Lane Buckley's, but definitely for Rory Higgins. First game, as a manager, I'm sure your first game, you, you just want to win. You don't care how you win. You don't care how what the performance is like. You just want to get the win to break confidence, to to you know to to tell your team this is what we're trying to do. And and it's it, look, a manager comes in, he loses the first couple of games. It's like whoa, how do I get out of this? But for me, the appointment of Rory Higgins, I've heard a lot about him uh, from the lads at Dundalk. Said he absolutely loves the game. He's he reads the game. He's been the opposition analysis for, I don't know what, last four or five years for various teams and obviously the Irish international side. So it'll be interesting to see how he does get on as management. The, the only thing I would have is I would have thought he would have brought in probably an experienced, like a bit like Stephen O'Donnell bringing in Alan Matthews, uh, someone that has that managerial experience uh, to help him because he has brought in Raf and Raf, you know, Raf is is the League of Ireland legend as we all know and it'll be interesting to see with the two lads that hasn't ha, that don't have that managerial experience and don't really have that uh, long coaching experience if you know what I mean Rory was in obviously in Ravini and stuff um, for a short period of time so um, I thought he might have but look that's Rory is, is long enough in the game and as I said we go back to the game on Saturday night they got the penalty they got the win. That's all they need, and 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 he'd be looking to kick on from there. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. I heard Rory Higgins. Um, I couldn't but hear Rory Higgins one night. Uh, I think Sligo beat, uh, Sligo beat them down in the showgrounds two seasons ago when we were all able to go to games. And leaving the showgrounds, you had to walk behind the the back of the dressing room. And even though the windows were closed, you could hear every single word that Rory Higgins was saying. And I think he's well able to take control of a dressing room. I don't think he'll have any problems uh, in terms of his stature within the game. And moving on to Waterford and Longford, last Premier Division game of the weekend. Um, Waterford capitalising on a mistake at the back from Longford, but a, a cool, calm, collected finish from Prince. At, and early enough in the game, first 10 minutes, and Longford never really looked like getting back into it. They just didn't have that cutting edge to kind of create that chance that would bring them back level. Um, it's beginning to look, after a bright start, it's beginning to look like Longford could be in a little bit of trouble in this division. Yeah, the, what, as you said, the honeymoon period is over for them now and it's 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 getting into the nitty-gritty. But uh, it was a good result for Waterford considering the kind of media that they had during the week of whether their manager was gone, whether he's not gone. And then it, it was just it was just crazy. But they'll be happy with that, uh, with that 1-0 win. Um, obviously, Dara Doyle would be really probably disappointed it's probably a game he might have earmarked as a as a potential to, to to get the three points and it's important for the likes of Longford and 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 Waterford to be when they play each other or they play teams down that they think feel is down around them to pick up the three points and 
unfortunately Longford were in the losing side the last night and and uh Waterford like they surprised me. I I've I've said that they will be down there this year and I possibly thought they'd be down at the bottom, but um they're pulling off some some results and um the only thing that I feel let them down is is the, the youth of, of them that they won't be able to do see out games, but they seen out the game all, all right the last night. You know, they did a couple of yellow cards picked up for time wasting towards the end, but but they're uh, they'll get there. I think Waterford might just have enough about them this year, but it remains to be seen. They seem to have difficulty closing out those games, as we talked about. There was, of course, the full round of fixtures in the first division as well. We might just fly through these. Cove and Bray played out a one all draw on Saturday evening, but Friday night at Lone Town, Wexford 3 0 to the home side there. Uh, at Lone, Adrian Carby be delighted with that season so far. Cabo 1, Shelburne 3. Galway United 2, UCD 2. Probably unlucky there from a UCD point of view that Galway kind of kept coming back at them. Um, they'll be disappointed with that, but I think it was a great way for Galway to to nick a point and maybe rebuild a bit of confidence down there in, in Eamon Dacey Park. It seems to be kind of lacking a little bit in certain uh, weeks over the last, certain performances over the last couple of weeks. Uh, and then the Munster Derby, Treaty versus Cork, 2-1 to Treaty. Yeah. Um, they'll be delighted at that. Local Derby beating Cork. Um, it's been a, a great start, particularly for Athlone and Treaty, who, as Limerick and Athlone in a, over recent years, have struggled at that level. So it's great to see the two teams doing so well this season. What have been your takeouts of, of those group games, but also the first division so far? Yeah, it's been uh, it's, the, the first division is, is so unpredictable. Like Athlone, who would have said at this stage already that Athlone would be top, but they're absolutely flying it. Treaty, I didn't think, I thought it'd be a slow start to the season. They pick up the odd win here and there, and it's just about consolidating within the league. But they're absolutely flying it, and they show no fear. So, um, for the likes of we we've said the likes of Cavendish, the likes of Galway, the likes of uh, Shelburne, we're all and UCD and that predicting predicting them to be up the top, and it's totally thrown us away. Like it's at loan and three D and. Uh, look, I'm delighted for Tommy Barrett and stuff. And Limerick needs needs a team, and I'm delighted they got into the league. And it, it only helps it because they're a very uh, football orientated town as well down there, and um, or city, should I say? But uh, as we speak about at loan, Adrian Carvey, as he spoke to him here in the first show, he had ambitions to go and win the league, and they're flying it. But the test will be now when they play the. The, the the bigger teams, the so-called bigger teams down there, but it's a very very interesting league and a very very competitive one this year, and it's it's one that we we will definitely keep a close eye on. I think it's interesting because I think if we're honest with ourselves, when Adrian said that to us eight weeks ago, now as we're recording this, uh, we didn't really believe he'd actually go win no, the league. He no. I don't think he really did either, if no. the truth be told. But confidence. It's been it's been impressive and, and to see it bear out in results and, and Tommy talked about being competitive as well, that he wasn't just there to make up numbers or to be a member of the league, that he wanted to win every game he could. And and that's coming true in results as well. So uh, it's great to kind of see when managers come out and, and are very confident about where they want to go and where they want to take a squad, to see that squad respond to that is uh, it's, it's great to see. That's the, the fixtures of the weekend. Now we have two fantastic guests. We're probably going to run a little bit late because we've got so much to get through over the course of the next, um, well, 40, 45 minutes or so that's left in the show. Uh, first, we're going to start with uh, a little look inside the camp at Oriel Park. We're going to talk to Chris Shields, their captain, and of course their talisman, over the last nine seasons up there in Dundalk. 
now over the last eight weeks there's been plenty to talk about from dundalk fc we've spoken to jim Jilton and john gill on the show about their experiences with the club so far this year but we wanted to take maybe a player look this week on the show so we've invited along uh, none other than chris shields one of their mainstays over the last eight years or so in the club chris i know you're a former teammate of kino's but uh nice to meet you very welcome to the show yeah thanks lads First of all, I suppose, how are you? How's how's your experience of, of life in Dundalk at the moment? It's really tumultuous from the outside. What's it like being in the, the heartbeat of that setup at the moment? Um, for inside the campus, Grant, uh, as players, you can only kind of get on with it and try to come in on and every day. It's only going to heap on the problems that look probably far worse from the outside in. And Chris, um, obviously times have been tough and with the, with the media, obviously all on top of you and it's over what you've done over the last couple of years and as you touched on it there has it has what's gone on the last two three weeks or since the start of the season affected you on the pitch like considering the squad that you have and the performances and where you are on the table surely it's had to have some bit of an effect on you or is it just that you've had such a turnover of players it's hard to say. It's sadly enough, it's had a, a bigger effect on two men that have had to, you know, leave their posts at the club and Shane and Filippo. So, unfortunately, their performances on the pitch haven't, you know, hit them the hardest. They they left together almost two two weeks ago now. I think it was. And look, Alan, you were at the club. It's not changed that much that them performance are acceptable that we've put in at the start of the year and given ourselves such a, a slow start to the season with no poor performances, poor results. And so effectively, it's, it's hit uh, Filippo and Shane the most. But lads in the camp, it's it's just, there was like a tension there between ourselves, you know, you kind of, your confidence goes down and stuff like that. You know, it happens to all players and you start picking easy options on pitches and stuff like that. And it only further brings down performances and, it's just it's it's been a funny kind of whirlwind start to the season. How important were those three points at the weekend against Drogheda? It was huge. It was we would have said the two games before were must win as well, and you know performances were better. We we said that we finished again two games strong. Pats and Derry, you know, we 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 were we thought we were unlucky not to win. You know, we had both teams bend in very late in the game, say the last twenty minutes of each game, and it's. A lick of paint away from going in. It's against Pats, it's hit Paddy Barrett twice in the same spot on the line. And then in Derry, we've had them in their box for the last 20 minutes and it's it's rattled the bar, it's come off their defenders and just not gone in. Other nights they go in and we take the nine points out of nine there. Unfortunately, we've just taken five out of nine, but it's it's, it's a slow improvement. Yeah, you, you find that when you're down there, as I said on one of the shows here, one week is 2015, where we were down there with a good squad. And you have to make your own luck and sometimes I've watched you in, in, in a lot of games this year and you had you know the teams on the rack but you just couldn't it just, it just wouldn't go in for you it was like everything was crumbling around you so as you as you as one of the senior pros there and Andy and, and obviously you know uh, Fats is still there Patrick McElhinney, um with the newer lads coming in have you thrown the arm around the shoulder and told them like how good it can be up there and what you can achieve because it must be difficult for for the newer lads coming in to um, to witness this. The, uh, you you've been there. You've been you've been there back in two thousand and fourteen. No, two thousand twelve. Twelve was it? Yeah. So you know what it's like. Um, 
have you given them advice? You know, you and the senior lads, obviously. You know, with with, with the newer lads. Yeah, at the start, you know, obviously they were sold the dream of the dog. Like this is what we've done. We've yeah. we've been to Europe twice, and we, this is where we want to be again and again. And obviously for the new lads, it hasn't it hasn't started like that. So the time at the start in preseason, you're you're getting your arm around the lads and you're telling them how great it can be. But as it turns and results aren't coming in, it becomes look, lads, you just have to learn the hard way. We need yeah. to get back to where we want to be on the pitch, and you just have to get in within the ethos that's within the club. And to be fair, they they have done that. Like it's it's no yeah. one man's fault. The, the new lads yeah. that have come in, you know, they're coming from all around the world at this stage. But they're they're buying in, and it's a, it's a really is it's a great dressing room. You know, it's, we've never had a bad run up there, and the lads we brought in are good characters and you know sound lads. In terms of uh, languages, there's a fair few floating around the dressing room up there now. How's your South Korean or your Lithuanian? Have you picked up any words at all? Have you heard of the hook accent? I think that's probably. <laughs> I think the boys struggle with that one the most. That and uh, between that and Jim's accent when he's going 100 mile an hour, there's a few heads being scratched in the in the meeting room at the start of the day. But no, a lot of they they all have very good English now. That is the one saving grace. There's no one there that's kind of really lost in it. They all have good English, and you know we may have to talk a bit slower with lads here and there for instructions and that. But no, they've they've come into the group brand, and there is a good communication at least, which was a bit of a worry going in. Who's impressed you the most coming in? Because there's a lot of new faces and maybe fans across the league who aren't on dog fans might have only seen uh, once. They might have seen uh, their opportunity to get it when they've played their team. But like, there's a few, a few players there with international caps. They've come in with a pretty good experience in European competition. Who are the two or three new recruits or, or more new recruits, but which of them have really caught your eye and you think uh, over the course of the next couple of weeks and into the season are really going to impress the rest of the league? Uh, I think Wilfred had a good debut on Saturday. I think he was he made his presence felt. He was very calm and very assured on the ball. Sam Stanton's had a good start to the year. Uh, he, he has experience in the SPL. He played one of, I think a season in America, but you can tell he's a quality player. But probably uh, maybe Rivas would probably be the standout at the minute. You know, even when he went away with Latvia in the yeah. last window, he, he had a great result away in Turkey and was heavily involved in the comeback and. You know, it was no surprise to us seeing him do what he did over there because he's 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 just a, he's a lad who's come in. He's a brilliant worker. Just he's a, he's a machine and kind of what you would have thought from a typical Eastern European lad coming in. He, he's probably the one that's hit the ground running fast. And Shinzi, um in terms of your own self, how do you rank the 2012 playoff win to what you've achieved so far? As in, you've, you've played in two group stages um, and you've won numerous leagues and cups. But for yourself personally, if you had gone down in 2012, where would you be now? Or would, would you ever look back and say that was the turning point in your career? Uh, probably, yeah. Between the end of 2012, staying up and, you know, Stephen kind of probably taking a chance on me in 2013. And I went down with the dock. I would have been out of there. I would have been able to show me face around town ever again. And who knows where I would have ended up because it was coming off. You know, you've seen players before think they're all right. They come off a bad, come off the back of a bad season, maybe float around the first division and can easily drop out of face Irish football. Like that could have easily been me and most of the team. Bar a few of us to stay with the club and one or two moved on to do different things. But not many are still knocking about, and that could have been easily just another face that played in the league for a few years and drifted away.
Yeah, that's that's important because it, 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 it was a massive turning point for, I think, yourself and Mounts were the only two left and they're the end. Or, now Mounts has deserted you. So uh, you're, you're the How do you, for yourself, now being the main centre deep midfielder, uh, probably the, the, the best that the club has ever had, um, how do you, you know, how do you find that? Like, and, and Dundalk have a serious history as it is, but for yourself, I think you started off, were you always centre midfielder? Were you centre back, or you? Because I remember at Bray you were all over the place as well, weren't you? Exactly, we were under Bray. I was just I was tall, fit, you know, gangly. Eddie would play me anywhere. He'd play me off the right for just for staying power, say, or play me in the middle, or if I needed to go a couple of and a half and chip past them, have you playing up front just to win flick ons at one stage. So then when I went to Dundalk, it was the same in 2012, mostly a centre midfielder, but as it started to get a bit tougher towards the end of the year, dropping centre-half, it's just another big lad. And then Stephen actually signed me as a centre-half, that's why I wear number five. Signed me as a centre-half, but I had a disaster there at the start of 2013. And then I eventually got to step in the field and just started to kind of home in on my own position. And every week, just it starts to get more and more of what you do. And... Nailing, nailing down position from then on was that it and, and that was me right from there yeah no I, I asked you about the kind of the new recruits that have come in from abroad and that, that have impressed you but I really want to talk a little bit about Ryan O'Kane because he really impressed me primarily in a couple of warm-up games pre-season but he he's done reasonably well for you as a 17 year old it must be exciting to see that kind of talent coming from the local underage ranks yeah, brilliant because because of the success we've had, it was very, very hard for an under nineteens player or the likes of an age group like that to kind of break through because we were looking for lads who can come in from the start. You're you can you're well able to play that eleven and there might not be room to phase in. But Ryan came in at the start of preseason and he's he, he would be everything like a player like myself would hate. He's fast, he's small, low centre of gravity, he's quick feet. And thankfully, he's 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 not big headed. He's very quiet in his dressing room. He's very level minded. You know, when we come in from the training ground, we're getting showered and getting food. He's getting school uniform on. And he's heading back to school. So it's funny to see that, and he just gets on with it. And he's he's good. He's learning the game. You know, he's he's played one or two games, got a few minutes here and there. But you can tell he's not arrogant going in. Oh, I should be playing. He's you can tell he's learning the game and enjoying the game time when he gets it. And in terms for the the season ahead, obviously you still have to appoint a new manager and stuff. And look at that's left to the to the board. For are you just going to take it one game at a time now, or are you setting yourselves a target that you need to get into the top four, or or you just need to get back to to basics and uh, and win a few games? Yeah, uh, you've been there. Kim said in 2015. I'm sure you're the same. You just have to start taking every game as it, as it comes because. If you keep looking too far and you fall on a little hurdle, it looks bigger than it is. So if you take every game as it comes, you can only do what you can that week and just focus. And now we've kick-started with two good performances against Derry and Pats and finally got a win on Saturday. And it's just about building on that now. Yeah, you've Waterford this weekend down in the RSC. They've been struggling this season as well. They've been playing well, but just not getting the results, more, more or less the same as yourselves. Uh, but that and the game the following week against... Longford will be seen from the outside at least have been two fairly winnable games and it'll push it a little bit closer to those European places at the top of the table. What's, I suppose, I suppose you've been victims of your own success in terms of uh, the last number of years and the standards that you've set for yourself, first under Steve and then Vinny and, and Filippo and over the last couple of years. How much of that weighs on your mind when you go out to play in terms of 
where you've come from over the last five or six years uh, versus maybe the start that you've made this season? I suppose you, you can't really let it, get it, let it get you down, but in the back of your mind, you're thinking, look, I am better than what I'm doing here. You have to have these standards that you set for yourself, so you want to get back to there, so you can't be you know, just feeling sorry for yourselves and maybe taking like safe options in games and doing things you don't normally do just because things aren't going as well. So it, it is about setting the standards that we have within the group. You know, there's still a small core of, that's there that what we've done over the years that have to kind of you know, drive that into the new lads and just kind of everyone have the same mindset going into the next few games and look, we can go on a run here and maybe kickstart the season. And uh, Shinzi, like, how do you find with the no with no fans? Like, it must be. I feel so sorry for the players. Like, it must be so difficult playing without any fans. It must be like like a preseason game the whole time. So that must be hard as well to try and get yourself up for games because you know yourself walking out there in Dundalk and the shed is full and everything. It that they do actually lift you on uh, that bit. Like, you know, um, do you find that difficult as a player or or players in general? Um, yeah, it's just a, a, a factor that you miss. Like like I'm saying, we've had teams penned in, Pats there last week in Oriel, that the extra boost that the crowd give you, you know, the roar of the last, the last 10, it might be the one extra percent that you need that the ball flukes its way in or some, some silly stuff like that. But other than that, it's, 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 it's something you miss. But sadly, it's something you've kind of got used to over the past, the past year and nearly now, even in Europe, it's... When we we played in Europe in last season, it was it was yeah. that's when you kind of missed it most because of the fans, you know, they're missing it because it's a rare occasion. But things, little things like knowing your family aren't there, especially like the cup final and the Arsenal games and stuff like that, that your family would have loved to have your family. Yeah, you didn't get a chance to do that, so it was just kind of sad in that sense. But it's it's kind of just become something you're kind of used to. Please God, they're back in as soon as they can be. Yeah, I suppose one other aspect of the community in Dundalk over the last week or so, that's or even two weeks that's kind of come to light, is uh, Sonia Hoy and the, the health issue that she's having at the moment. And I know the, the two clubs, Drahada and Dundalk, got behind her. Of course, she's a, a former FAI, FAI Cup winning goal scorer as well with Dundalk back in, I think it was 2005, I'm going to say, 2005 or 2006, or 2005. Um, and she... She's obviously gone through her own health issues and there's been phenomenal fundraising and support for her. Uh, how important is it for, for people like that who've served the club so well over the years to be looked after by the club and continue to keep that community feel? As much as we've heard talk about it not being there at the moment, it's really been very visible through that whole campaign over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, it was absolutely brilliant to see the two clubs together. You know, it is a bit of it is a derby in the same same county, but you see the two clubs pulling together and the money they pulled in was absolutely phenomenal. So it was a, I'm sure, like speaking from on behalf of the dog, we thank everyone because it was so, so generous and, and the pace they gathered within the space of a few days, you're watching the GoFundMe go up and up and up. And that's what's special about, you know, League of Ireland fans and League of Ireland communities, especially in, in one town teams like the dog, like Sligo, there is a special tight knit community. Now they give out to each other like, like what you can see on social media, they go arguing with each other. But when something like like that happens, and you know it's crunch time, and any sort of help or financial aid is needed, the, the, the town really, really comes together so well, and it was really great to see. Yeah, it's been it's been great to see. I, I had the pleasure of working with Sonia and teams back in, around that time in the mid noughties and she was a. a 
great personality to have in the dressing room and fantastic to see the support she's getting at a time when her and her family need that so if anyone has isn't aware of that check it out just google save our sonia and you'll find out where you can make a donation or where you can find out more information and uh, there's a couple of different ventures going on over the next couple of weeks uh, chris it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show um five-time league champion of course with dundalk played in europe europa league twice it's been great to kind of uh, catch up with you and hear about maybe the the inside track of what's going on in dundalk and and brush away all the rumors and and, and innuendos that i'm flying around about the club over the last couple of months it's great to kind of get a uh, the actual real story on on what's going on in the club so thank you so much for joining us it's been a pleasure and hopefully we'll chat to you again soon no worries thank you and chris congrats on your recent arrival I, uh, yes, yes. Ah, stop it. It's hectic. New son. He's only two weeks old. Dara is his name. It's 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 non stop. You think you have, you have troubles at the club? Try coming on changing shady nappies and this and that. Right now, I shouldn't. I'd be begging to go to the giant. Yeah, is it yeah, expected? Me, my wife's very good. If she, if I have training, she'll help a lot. Of, a lot of the night feeds, but then when I get home, he's, he's handed over so she can have a rest. So it's it is what it is, I suppose. Well, listen, I, time is very va valuable in your world right now. So thanks very much for giving us the last twenty minutes or half hour of it. We appreciate it. Best luck of the weekend and for us. No worries. Thanks very much, lads. Now, of course, here at home, we are all well used to uh, watching our games on Watch LOI or LOI TV or whatever the platform might be. But for former people involved in the league who no longer reside on these shores, it is their only link to the league on a week-to-week -week basis. And one of the former, I say personalities around the league, it's someone that I'm sure everybody has known at some stage and every fan of the league has probably at some point or other roared a bit of abuse in his direction is the MLS referee, Alan Kelly, formerly of this parish. And he joins us now. Alan, it's great to have you on the show. You're very welcome from the States. Hey, good, uh, good afternoon, good evening, uh, Brefni, Alan. Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, uh, it's, uh, it's great to be here. Great to be able to have a chat uh, about all things football, whether it be um, League of Ireland or, or MLS or, or whatever, you, whatever you guys want to throw at me. Well, let me start, because I, I know you might have to mend bridges with Alan Keane, because I'm sure the two of you have had uh, conversations, polite, pleasant conversations in the past on many's a pitch up and down the country. But in terms of, I suppose, uh, the whole situation, tell us a bit about where you are, I suppose, right now in terms of physically where you are in the States, but also um, what, what have you done since you left the league a couple of years back to take your whistle elsewhere? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm based on the east coast of, um, of the US in, uh, in Massachusetts. Um, nice part of the world this time of year and 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 over the next couple of months we call in the winter type of thing uh but um we're uh we're what seven eight years here at the minute uh yeah going on going on eight years i think um and uh yeah we've settled in well we've, we've, we're well settled now uh, in terms of family location um you know I've, uh, my kids are all settled and so on and so forth and um yeah it's kind of a it was a kind of a, a step into the unknown to a degree um and uh one that um one that's that's pretty much worked out over the last uh, number of years and um thankfully still have the opportunity to to to, to still be involved refereeing uh and and so on so um yeah uh that's that's where we are right now and alan uh just about the move to mls how did that like how did you had had you always this planned or were you looking say to england or was what how did the mls come about and how you know 
did you decide uh, you wanted to go there or was England an option or was there other places an option? Yeah, it came about kind of out of nothing, really. Um, I, I was I was really happy doing what I was doing. Um, you know, uh, there was no need for us to move. My wife had a job. I had a job. I was refereeing um, um, locally and, um, like I said, uh, nationally and internationally with UEFA, and things were going in a in a kind of a, an upward trajectory. And um, so everything was 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 great. And uh, then there was a kind of a conversation took place, and and, and the opportunity to possibly come across um, presented itself. And uh, I didn't really think a whole lot about it. Uh, initially, and then, you know, kind of coming coming over, taking a look at what goes on behind the scenes, seeing the level of professionalism, um, and moving into a league and a, and, a, and a football market that was that was progressively striding to go further and and, and further um, in in terms of world football. Um, it just seemed too good a, of an opportunity to pass up, and. Um, uh, yeah, it was it was very much a I won't say a leap into the unknown because you know I was familiar with MLS. I'd watched MLS for a number of years, um, uh, but it's a huge it was a huge thing to take on in terms of you know moving family and so on. So there was a lot of considerations there. Um, you know, stepping away from you know I've been involved in the League of Ireland football. It, it feels like for a lifetime uh, in terms of um, my own family involvement, my dad's involvement prior to mine, um, uh, and. Uh, yeah, so so that that was my my bread and butter. The 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 European football was uh, was a big big thing. We had we had been refereeing in the Champions League, and um, it was a big uh, it was a big decision to step away from that. But I just thought, look, this is something that that uh, that presented itself, and it was just too good an opportunity uh, in terms of longevity to. To, to turn away, and um, as I said, thankfully it's um, it, it's worked out, and. Uh, you know, uh, it's kind of onwards and upwards. What's your average week look like? Because the MLS is a bit different to other leagues in that there's, there's nearly a game every day somewhere across the country um, in terms of, like, do you, do you have a game a week or do you have two or three games a week? How does that work? Yeah, uh, that's a really good question. Um, and, and one that I've been asked quite a lot. Um, the you're, you're quite right, Bethany, in, the, in that it's, um, it's, it's not like your average league. Um, the country is 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 huge, right? Um, so from a travel point of view, I don't think I'll ever complain about you know driving from Cork to Donegal or Cork to Derry ever again. Um, it's um, you know almost almost every almost every uh, game now is a is a flight. You know, like I live in I live in New England, so if I have a, if I have a game in New England, I can drive there and I can drive to New York. But uh, that's pretty much it. Every everywhere else after that's a flight. So um, typically, depending on performance, typically you have um, you've got uh, one game a week, uh, but that could vary uh, dependent on your role in the game. Look, I'm a I'm a full time professional referee, uh, uh, and very privileged to be in that position. Um, uh, so, in terms of games, we've got uh, you know typically Sunday uh, weekends to weekend. Uh, we're only at week two of the season right now, um, coming into week three. Um, so we haven't had any midweek games yet, but. Um, um, so if I'm refereeing, I'll typically have one game uh, um, in the middle on a Saturday, possibly another one the following Saturday. Um, I'm also a VAR, okay? Um, so an acronym that's not uh, widely uh, heralded around the world, but um, um, but uh, I'm a I'm a, 
and a VAR as well. So on week one, I had I had a game with the VAR assignment on a Saturday and one on a Sunday, and the weekend just gone. Uh, uh, VAR as well, come, upcoming. Um, I've got a game uh, as a referee, and then and then it's kind of it's kind of varied around a little bit like that. So and, and the typical week then is is. You know, you travel the day before your game. Uh, you're there the day of game. You travel back day after game, and then you're into your 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 training cycle in terms of, you know, recovering. Alan's very familiar in terms of you know putting the uh, putting the game effort in, but also also the recovery side of things afterwards. So game recovery back into a training cycle again, and then you're back into your game mode. You know, you you've done really well over there since because I've actually you know probably on Twitter and stuff and seeing your progress. Was it? Would I be right in saying that you got three years in a row? You got referee of the year in the MLS, or um, how... uh, not, not? Look, the referee of the year thing is is more of a consequence. That's not that's not something any referee goes out to win or achieve oh, no, or anything yeah. like that. But but you're right in terms of yeah, I I I've been chosen to to as the referee of the year in MLS um, three years. Uh, is that 50, is that the fans and is it the players that bought that, isn't it? It's it's uh, players, coaches and players media. Coaches. Yeah, players, yeah. coaches and media. It's great. So, um, so yeah, look, it, it's again, it's it's not something that any referee goes to to to, to, to oh, win. Yeah. Um, you know, it's um, you'd like to think it's it's based on 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 the on what you've done during the season and and, and the players, coaches and and uh, media respect your work ethic and your your decision making and and so on and so forth so um so yeah that's what that's that's based uh based around in terms of i suppose coverage of the league here at home and your ability to keep up with that you must be delighted to see uh, the progress that's been made in the last 12 or 15 months with watch loi and now loi tv to be able to watch whether it's cork city or anyone else you're kind of following the the adventures of this season um what's been your experience of of following the league over the last seven or eight years and particularly in the last i suppose 12 months yeah definitely i've been a i've been a league of ireland fan for uh since i was a kid um again you know my dad refereed in the league so i was kind of you know dragged around the country uh, a little bit when i was when i was younger i won't say dragged around the country but it was it was nice being at games and your dad was you know your dad was refereeing that kind of rubbed off a little bit but um but yeah i've been to the league of our matches since uh, you know turnless cross was was nothing but a field with a with a few banks around it type of thing and you know um i, I remember going to cork united games way back when and then when cork city came into the league in 84 um i think one of my one of my first games was a was a cup quarter final where Derry City brought I don't know fifteen thousand fans to the Old Flower Lodge, which was a which was an incredible experience, you know. Um, so um, so I, I've been involved. I, I've been going to League of Ireland matches and a League of Ireland fan for for almost a life a lifetime at this point. Um, so yeah, it was it was it was great. Um, you know, the last couple of uh, last two seasons or such, you know, look. COVID uh, doing what it's done to the world um, has, um, it, you know, has, has, has given, has given me a, a more of an opportunity to watch League of Ireland games because of the, uh, the, the, the watch, the, the watch LOI service and the, and the LOI TV service, um, watch LOI last year and, and LOI TV and watch LOI this year. So, um, so, so my, my typical Friday, whether I'm traveling, um, especially the last couple of weeks where I wasn't traveling um, um, before our season kicked off, uh, I, I I got a laptop going, I had an iPad going, you know. So so there was a Premier Division on 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 one screen, there was a First Division game on another screen, 
different for for a lot of reasons. One, just to to, to watch the games and 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 so on. Um, you know, from a refereeing point of view, I'm always uh, always um, uh, interested to see how how uh, my colleagues back home are doing it. My brothers are referees in the league, so you know, I, I, I when the opportunity is there, I'll, I'll I'll sit down and take a look at his games. Um, but not just that. Just you know, just I like watching how guys are getting. We got a couple of uh, decent referees in terms of. Uh, guys that have come through and broken into Europe over the last couple of years, in, in Rob Hennessy and um, and Rob Harvey, you know. So just to, I've always been interested in their progress, but just seeing some younger referees come 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 through behind those guys in in in, uh, in the first division. First division this year is a is a bigger attraction just simply because you know it, it's uh, not because Cork are there or from Cork and all that kind of stuff, but that's 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 one reason to look at the games. Um, uh, but you know you've got you've got big clubs in the first division. The competition there seems to be a lot more open than it's been the last couple of years. Um, uh, you know, with the with the likes of Galway, Shells, um, Atlone doing really well this year. Um, you know, uh, Bray UCD. You know, so it's a it's a it'll be a competitive competitive division there. But yeah, the ability to watch games uh, over the last um, over the last twelve months, especially over the last twelve months, uh, um, has. Um, has been pretty much a weekly thing during the season where uh, where possible. And Al, you said you, you look at your colleagues and um, you see how the progress is going. So I'm going to speak from kind of a player's perspective. Um, I find in the last year or two, there's just there's just so many yellow cards, needless yellow cards handed out between managers, players, and the standard of refereeing is not as good as it uh, as it has been. Now, say for referees, do you be given a, a certain at the start of the season do you be given uh, certain uh, new rules that's come in that you have to yellow card a player this and yellow card a player that and I and another one is on the same question I find that referees now are a little bit more not communicating with the players at all you can't you can't talk say for instance when with me and you I used to have a pop at you and you tell me here get the back back there or whatever you know and I respected that you know, I could talk to you, and if I did overstep the line, then fair enough. But I find nowadays in the league, and I spoke to a lot of players, that they find you can't even open your mouth to the referees, or it's a yellow card. Do you think that standards, or are they are they told to do that? Um, Al, I'm I'm not going to talk in terms of yeah. you know the standards or, or individuals or any individual decisions or anything like that. Uh, yeah. What I will what I will say first of all in terms of yourself and myself way back when you know. Um, I saw a lot of I saw a lot of raw talent in in a, a lot of raw potential in you as a referee. You refereed some of my uh, some of my best games, you know. Um, but um, yeah, look, I think I think um, like you said there, the last year or two, there's needless yellow cards. But but if you go back through the history of football, you you have that argument between between players, yeah. right? Look, one th- between players and officials, should I say? Sorry. Um, one of the one of the one of the big things for me is that I, I just think that there's a and maybe you can you can attest to this, to this as a player, but I think that there's a, a a lack of a lack of education in the players, lack of of, of um, uh, education in terms of the laws of the game. You know, like you know, you you reference there as rules. Um, you know, some yeah. people keep saying, you know, they don't know the rules, we don't know the rules, and, and so on. But I think a lot of players and coaches. Um, are just not aware of 
the laws of the game, right? Um, without wanting to get into the specifics of the laws of the game, but there there are some there are some yearly updates uh, on uh, in the laws of the game. Some yearly tweaks that come from IFAB. Some have been good for the game. Some, you know, not not necessarily so good for the game. And there's lots there's been lots of tweaks. So as referees, we've got to tweak our our, our refereeing ability or our understanding of um, of what the laws mean uh, uh, every year. But from a player and coach's point of view, I don't think that you guys are 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 made uh, necessarily made aware of those changes. You know, yeah. um, I, I could be completely wrong with that. You know, um, and, and look, there'll always be there'll always be uh, a difference of opinion when it comes to the key match incidents between uh, between players and officials. And in the heat of the moment, in the heat of the game, we've all been there. You know, um, there's been emotional outbursts, emotional reactions, and things. More often than not, players will say. You know, like like it used to be, it used to be a case. Um, you know, watch that Monday night, Alan. The next time you'll see us, uh, you'll be you'll be saying sorry for that. You know, yeah. and, and if that was the case, you have a lot of referees that would say, you know what, I did have a look at that, and maybe you were yeah. right. You never get that from a player point of view. You know, so mm. this isn't about this isn't about the refs always right or the players always right. I think. Yeah. I think from a community, you're, you're dead right in terms of communication. Communication. It's yeah. a skill. It's an art. You know, some people are comfortable with it. Some people are are, are not. You know, yeah. and uh, uh, me as a referee, I was more than happy, more than comfortable to talk to players, uh, refer to players by by um, by their first names and so on and so forth. Um, you don't always have that. I am I am, you know, I, I coach young referees, and I'm a, I'm a big advocate of communication on the field of play. I think that's half the battle. You know, as a referee, having the ability to hold your hand up and say, you know what, I might have got that wrong. You know, or uh, or from a player's point of view, you know, you could you could say something to me. I could react to you. I, you know, as a referee, we've you you just said it. We 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 had that little bit little bit of back and forth. Not just with you, with other players. Where where a player would say something in the heat of the moment, a referee would respond in the heat of the moment, and then when everything when the bus settles, you know, the next opportunity, you kind of saddle up alongside each other and you go, sorry about that. Yeah, sorry about that. That type of thing. And there was a mutual respect from that point of view. I think um, you know. Uh, that's that's I think that's always been the case. You have you have referees, um, you know, uh, that are comfortable, and they would appear to be the ones that players kind of get on with a little bit better. Yeah. And then you have referees that, that just aren't comfortable talking to um to 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 players or aren't com- comfortable communicating. And then you you got to you got to look at how how the player uh, communicates with the referee. A lot of it will be in your face, kind of shouting type of thing. And if that's the case, I don't think a player or a coach can expect proper dialogue back from the referee, if that makes sense. Yeah, and then say, for instance, you're coming up to a big game and you have had players and you know, do you know there are certain players that they're going to give me a bit of grief? I'm all right with this fella. Have you, like, you know, gone up to big games as referees? Within the league, you would have seen the players over and over probably loads of times throughout the season. Do you have certain players, then you go, better watch him today. He's given he's given a lot of stick the last couple of times, or certain, or is it just a blank canvas? It's just a big yeah. Alan Keane across the top of the list. <laughs> yeah, look, there is a, there's a misconception among players that referees just have it out for them. You know, uh, look, yeah. I, I can I can speak from my own point of view and and people that I've worked with. Like every game is a new game. Every, like the most important decision in every game is the next decision type of thing. You know, you don't have time as a referee to be saying. Who's you know whether it's this player or that player? Of course you know which players will question you a little bit more. Uh, of course you know which players that you can build a good communicative rapport with uh, on the field of play. Um, 
uh, of course, you know, the players that are going to be the first in to question every one of your decisions type of thing, you know, that just, that just comes with, with, uh, with, with, you know, the, 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 you know, refereeing teams and players over and over again, you, you just come to know players. Nobody is prejudged. No player is prejudged. No club is yeah. prejudged. No coach is prejudged. Believe me when I say that there's so much from a refereeing point of view, you're just so focused on, on what's in front of you on the field, you know, you want to get the decisions right. Like you want to get every decision right. Unfortunately, we as referees, we don't get every decision right. But what we do want to get right are the big game-changing decisions, the key decisions. You know, um, they're they're the real, that's the the real bread and butter in terms of uh, what 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 players will um, will expect, what fans will expect. You know, and I think. I think you look at. I think when when you look at the, the the key match decisions, I think I think players build a trust in in the referee. You know, based on his or her um, ability to get the key match decisions right. And the communication side of it as well, and I think that's a, I think that's an important point. In terms, Alan, I suppose of the seven or eight seasons you've had now in the states, um, the league over there has grown considerably in the last decade or so, uh, aligned with your own time in the in the competition. What do you feel maybe the League of Ireland could learn from, I suppose, your experience or other players who've gone over there, the likes of Richie Ryan, even Romeo Parks has been there and come back. And there's plenty of other players with, with serious experience. Dan Casey's gone to Sacramento this year. I think they're USL rather than MLS. But <clears throat> what, what would be the main takeaways you would be uh, given maybe now, if you were asked by the FAI, what have you learned both in refereeing and in the general league from your American experience? Um, well, that's a such a wide-ranging question that there are lots of answers to. I suppose. Um, I, I suppose. Look, if, if you if you if you put it into context, um, you've got MLS and you've got the Ireland. You've got MLS, which is a which which its its goal is to be to be one of the top leagues um, in the world within a certain period of time. Um, uh, and it's 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 chalk and cheese really when it when it when it comes to it um from a financial point of view there is a there's huge financial support and financial backing for for mls um um you know look, look i don't even know what a franchise costs now even the word franchise you know uh, will be looked will be frowned upon um back home but um i think it's like something like 200 million to 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 to, to start a club you know um so, so that just gives you an idea in terms of what kind of what kind of the finances that, that you're talking about. Um, the, like they, they market themselves really, really well. You know, um, they really do market MLS uh, across the board. Their their TV structure uh, here is um, has grown year on year. Uh, look, I, I'm eight years in the league, um, and I've seen uh, in terms of the on-field product. Uh, I've seen huge strides made year on year, and it, that that doesn't happen by chance. That 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 that's based on on the investment uh, in in the underage structures first of all, uh, in terms of the youth soccer, youth development, um, in terms of what they what they develop, what they produce, what they export. You look at the likes of uh, uh, Alfonso Davies um, with um, um, uh, with Bayern Munich. Uh, Alfonso, De yeah, Alfonso Davies of Bayern Munich. Um, um, uh, uh, Brendan Aronson, who's just gone to uh, uh, Red Bull Salzburg, is is a fantastic player, really, really good player. Um, and you and it, you know, selling for millions and millions of of, of dollars, you know. Um, so, so 
you know, there's, there's tons of different stuff in terms of how they market the league and, and so on. The finance is huge. It, it really, really is, you know, and, and that it's an easy one to point to and say, well, you know, the League of Ireland doesn't have a whole lot of money. Look, that's that's a given, you know, um, but it's it's in terms of the League of Ireland, you have so much goodwill. Uh, you have so many people that do that, that work for their clubs on a voluntary basis. It's, it's very community based, very parochial um, like that. You know, one of the challenge, the biggest challenge for the League of Ireland is the fact like that 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 you know in England you've got the Premier League, you know, the biggest league in the world, arguably, and you've got fans that will support um, that will support the teams uh, uh, across there rather than a local team. MLS doesn't have that to a degree, you know, um, like fans will support their local soccer team uh, from an MLS point of view, or a USL point of view, or an NWSL uh, point of view. Um, so. But their audience is there. You know, they'll watch Premier League on, on, on TV and stuff. But in terms of in terms of putting bums on seats in stadiums, which is what it's all about, um, um, MLS doesn't have, uh, you know, a, a rival league competing with it like that, where the League of Ireland absolutely does. Um, I'm going to say something else. From a refereeing point of view, uh, a, a, again, the amount of resources that are available to us you know, um, and that's based on finance. Like, like, you know, not that, not that the that the the Football Association of Ireland didn't invest in the in, in refereeing structures. It did. I, I was a I was a, a product of the uh, the FEI School of Excellence for young referees back in '98. A lot of a lot, a lot of um, officials came through that. Um, so so the FEI have invested uh, for sure. Um, you know, they've had to cut their cloth accordingly. Um, from an educational point, from a, from a refereeing educational point of view, um, you know, we we get together as a group every two weeks. Before COVID, it was in person. We would travel uh, in person to our um, to our camps. We would sit down for two two and a half days. There'll be a fitness element to that, and then there would be a lot of the game educational element to that, um, video analysis, and so on and so forth in terms of decisions, whether they're right, wrong, if they're wrong, what we could have done differently, and so on and so forth. Um, that's that's not available in uh, in the League of Ireland. When I say not available, not not with that regularity. Um, um, I, I do think the way that we educate referees at home is um, is not what it should be, and I say that with the greatest of respect to the people running the panel uh, at the moment. Um, um, Tomas Connolly, uh, former League of Ireland referee, is now running the is now running the League of Ireland panel, and. Um, Tom's a really good, Tomas a really good guy, uh, uh, very experienced referee uh, in terms of the league and um, um, uh, some experience in, in Europe as well. And, and Tom has, I think he has taken that on over the last 12 months or so by his own admission, knows he's got work to do, but is fully invested in making, um, in, in improving the refereeing structures at home, um, giving young referees an opportunity to come through uh, from from local football into first division football into into Premier hopefully Premier Division football. If you Al, if you look at the the league over the last couple of years, not a whole lot of guys and girls have come through uh, the first division and established themselves as Premier Division referees. You kind of have to ask that question, you know, why that hasn't happened up to the last um, couple of years. And, and to be fair to Tomas and his his uh, his team, they've given people that opportunity a little bit last year where where it was. Uh, possible to do so, um, uh, and, and a little bit this year um, as well. So hopefully, hopefully, the the um, development that they're doing behind the scenes 
and the education that they're doing uh, behind the scenes and the opportunities for younger officials to come through. Hopefully that, um, um, that bears fruit in the coming seasons. Well, listen, Alan, uh, totally engrossed in that conversation. We've run so far over time, it's unbelievable. But thank you so much for giving us uh, the last 25 minutes or so of your time to bring us up to speed on what you've been up to uh, since you left the league six, seven, eight years ago now uh, and all your exploits stateside. It's great to hear from you and great to keep in touch. Uh, thanks very much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Al, good to talk to you. Good to Cheers, see you. Al. Hope you're doing well. Best of luck for the rest of the year. Cheers. Thanks a lot. Take care. Well, Alan, two individuals within the league that you've had plenty of confrontations with over the years. Um, your thoughts on those two interviews? I found them fascinating. I thought the the, the point of view that Alan brought from looking from the outside in is, is hugely important. And also from Chris, maybe that not everything is what it seems to be. Now, of course, you've got to take that with a pinch of salt. He's on the payroll in, in Dundalk and he can't really talk probably as openly as he might like to about the situation up there, but he seems fairly positive about the whole situation up there from a player's point of view. Oh yeah, de definitely. And I uh, look at Shades, he's a very honest, honest uh, individual. And he's honest on the pitch and stuff. And I, I, I don't think he, if, if it wasn't all what it was in the dressing room, he, I don't think he'd have, he'd be afraid to say it. And uh, look, it was a great interview and it was um, just, you know, look at it. We, we spoke to him about how he, how, I suppose 2012 has changed him as a player and how he's gone on. And what really I enjoyed was talking to Alan Kelly. And we could have, I could have asked him so many more questions. Um, and it's fascinating to hear his insight into the refereeing. And look, I had so much more to ask him, but we, we didn't, we just didn't have the time. And sure, who knows, we might get him back on the show again sometime in the future. No, absolutely. We had to cut him for time, obviously, but it just seemed that. I, there was so many other questions. Every time he opened his mouth, it just felt like there was another question there ready to pop in to kind of keep him talking and a huge insight on the game and from maybe a different point of view than you'd hear on, on some of these shows. That's why we had him on this week. Thanks very much to Alan and to Chris for giving up their time. Uh, as a young dad, Chris, I'm sure, is getting pulled in all the directions uh, at the moment. Uh, plenty of games, of course, this weekend. On Friday night, we have Longford Town making the journey to Richmond Park, which is probably closer to most of the players than their home games. Uh, Drogheda United versus Sligo Rovers. They, those two kick off at quarter to six, so they're the early kickoffs on Friday night, both games, of course, live, as are all the Premier Division games on watchloi.ie. 7.45 kickoffs, three games. Bohemians are in Dalymount Park against Derry City, while Waterford hosts Dundalk and Finn Harps play Shamrock Rovers. And, of course, there's a full round of games on Monday, it being a bank holiday. The game is nice and spread out over the day. I really would like to see more of this through the rest of the, the season because it's, it's frustrating to have all these games condensed into one window on a Friday evening, uh, for, mo for the most part, seven games last Friday at 7.45 between the two divisions. You can only watch one at a time, really. Uh, although I do try. I've got five screens, but the, you just won't get into any of them. Uh, Shamrock Rovers versus Waterford and Drogheda Bohemians, they both kick off at 2 p.m., while Longford Town and Dundalk and Sligo Rovers and St. Pat's, they both start at 5.45. And then finally, Derry City and Finharps, the real Northwest Northwest Derby, uh, right up there on the banks of the foil in the Brandywell on Monday evening, 7.45 kickoff. And that'll be a real Donegal versus Derry challenge up there. Both teams uh, starting to pick up a bit of form. So it'll be interesting to see how that works with, obviously, Rafa Guitaro finished up up there for the last two seasons. 
uh, he'll be welcoming his former teammates to uh, the Brandywell. Um, but again, Roy Higgins has started that little bit of a, a momentum going. Can they build on that again? Can Ollie stop the little bit of a rot that's set in over the last couple of weeks? Any of those games catch your fancy? Yeah, well, you, you obviously look at obviously the derby. Yeah, is, is the big one. Um, it'll be it'll be one that everyone will be kind of looking at. But I think um, Pats and, and Sligo Rovers is going to be uh, probably the pick of the pick of the night because they're both informed teams, really. Apart from uh, Rovers blip there during the during the week, but um, the games are coming taking fast, and I just find it's like uh, a week is massive in football. You could lose two games. And you can win two games. We're we're talking about Dundalk being down at the bottom. We're talking about Waterford. Waterford could go and win their two games, and next thing they're up in the European spots. Nearly, you know, that's that's how mad uh, this league is. So it's a big week for clubs, and it's it's going to be, it's going to be the use of their squad, I think. And some teams have very, you know, haven't that much of a squad depth that they can dig into. You're talking to look at the likes of Dundalk and the Shamrock Rovers, and possibly Pats. To an extent, have good squad depth, and uh, that's going to be seen. I think as really, really important over them over over these over the next week. Yeah, my three games, and I'm going to pick three games. I'm looking to really keep an eye on over the next week, um, and both of them involve Drogheda and Bohemians. All three of them involve Drogheda and Bohemians, and that's Drogheda and Sligo. I think Sligo have probably overachieved a certain amount. I think um, they picked up a couple of injuries. They're one or two cards away from suspensions. I think that's going to have an effect as we go through the next couple of weeks on a, what is a very tight squad. Um, they've only really started bringing more players into the fold in the last week or so. I think uh, the Drogheda Sligo game is going to be really good. I think both those sides will be in the hunt for that fourth place European spot come the end of the season. I think that's going to be a really good measure of where both teams are really at um, when, when push comes to shove. I think uh, on top of that then, Drogheda play Bohemians and I think that kind of battle is also going to be more or less there. Drogheda have been the side that have impressed me the most based on maybe the expectations coming in and I think Bose and Derry uh, for the reason of, of the new arrivals in Derry I think it's going to be an interesting battle there as well. I think Derry are going to start seeing themselves move up the table and Bose will be hoping to maybe pick themselves up after a couple of disappointing results. They're the three games that I'm looking out for most this weekend alan that's it for the week um feels like it's over before it's even begun and yet as we're recording we've been sitting here for hours talking to the the boys it's been great um thank you very much for joining me uh have you got any uh work plans this week you going to pick a cat out of a tree or go save an old lady from uh some other thing or what's the the plan no the plan is just chill for the week now uh, actually i'm actually back in i'm in station actually um two days this week uh of course so that's me. Then I'll chill out for the weekend and, and look at all these games and, and uh, have a few beers, I think. Sure, what else is there to do? Nothing else? Can't Absolutely go on nothing, except watch the League of Ireland. Yeah. Uh, don't forget, we do have full live commentary, text commentary on all these games on our website, finalwhistle.ie, when they're happening over the weekend. If you can't get to watch LOI, or maybe you just can't afford the subscription or you don't want to pay the subscription, but do. It's well worth it. Check it out. Uh, it's on our website if you can't get there, um, but also um, we also have... Um, Facebook group, Twitter, Instagram, check us out, follow us on YouTube. Whether you're watching this or listening to it, we appreciate your ears for the hour or so. We're a little bit long today. Apologies for that. We do try and keep it to the hour. I'll have to give Alan a little slap. I'm going Alan Kelly because Alan Kelly was talking, but it was worth yeah. listening. Uh, but thank you very much. We'll be back with you again next week. Talk to you then. Thanks, Alan. No worries.